Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the funny and nice Sean Millay. Hello. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, excited to be here. So just jumping right in. Uh, where are you from? How'd you get started in comedy? Tell us, tell us your whole thing. Cool. So I'm from Brick, New Jersey. Um, it's like an hour and a half from Manhattan. Uh, I started doing comedy because as like as I just remember when I was like a kid, I remember always being funny or enjoy making people laugh. Like I remember like saying stupid things like in CCD class, like which is almost embarrassing. I was thinking about this the other day. Like I would just be like, I'd be like, yeah, peanuts for whatever reason. And that would make like the little kids among me laugh. And I would just like kept saying it and they would laugh more and more. And I was like, oh, I like doing this. And so as long as I can remember, I remember trying to make people laugh. And I also remember the 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 point in my life where kids started to mature, where I couldn't just say random words to make them laugh. It was like, it was like, oh, now they have to be like somewhat intelligent. So my whole life, I've been trying to do that. Uh, from Jersey, went to film school at NYU, uh, continue to do stand up a little bit there. And now I work for Gary B at uh, his company, 137 PM, and I make TikToks. I do stand up on the side. So that's uh, that's my story or my 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 small bio. Very exciting. Hi. And then so you you studied film. Did you study like specifically for comedy or were, was that always kind of like a side thing or like how are those two kind of overlapping? Um, yeah, so I did film. I like mostly like I would I focused on like, I guess, script writing um, and then I would edit and stuff, too. But I think it, it overlapped in the sense that like and what I enjoyed about film school was like one, it like forced me to make things every week, but also like it felt like stage time in the sense that it's like, all right, we're all going to look at this thing you made on the screen and we're going to read it out loud or whatever we're going to do. And my goal was always to try and get people to laugh with whatever the thing was I was showing them. Um, so like the focus was like still like maybe TV, TV writing uh, or something like that when I was there, but still the main goal of that thing was to get like people to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think and that, that that's like part of it. The other day I was like with some guy like it was I did like a five minute guest spot and the host was like, oh, you're pretty good for how long you've been doing it. And I was like, yeah, well, I think I think like he was like, oh, your writing's pretty good. And I was like, well, because I think writing for in school and then also making TikTok videos, like I think that all sort of warms up that muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously nothing will prepare you for being on a stage in front of actual people. But um yeah, I think basically that my being at school for sure. Um, I focused on comedy, but yeah, that that's what I did at school. So uh, mostly mostly editing and like writing, which which now I make TikToks. So so thank you NYU for that. Seventy <laughs> k a year tuition all came down to this. Nice. <laughs> So how did you, you you referenced it a little bit. How did you officially start doing stand-up? Like the first open mic or show or the thing that got you like up yeah. there? 
Um, well, what, uh, so I was obsessed with like the comedy seller in high school because I had loved the show Louie and I decided I was going to do the classes there. So the classes were pretty cool. You go like once a week for six weeks and this guy, Rick Crom, I don't know if you know him. He's like pretty, he's been doing stand up for like the longest time and he's always at the cellar, but he like runs these classes there. And so every week you'd go and basically you'd get on the stage and you'd show the class what you wrote. And then at the end, you do a bringer show at the Comedy Cellar. And so uh, it was pretty cool. Like I got to perform at the Comedy Cellar twice. And then that was in high school. And then when I got to NYU, I had a group of friends that all wanted to do it. So we do stand up once in a while, but it would always start with us like sitting in a dorm room, like, ah, oh, are we going to do it tonight? And one of us would be like, yeah, we got it. And the rest would be like, ah, oh, I don't know. And every time I'd either get drunk beforehand or I'd like, I'd get there and I'd pray that the, the list was full or that like something would just occur that would stop us from doing it. And that was like my entire college experience with stand-up was like half-ass doing it. Um, but then once I moved to the city after the pandemic or, you know, rather after it was, you know, at the height uh, which was like around September of last year, uh, got back into it full time. Like now that I live alone, especially like I'd be after the work would be over and like, I have like two friends in the city and I'd be like, okay, well they can't hang out. So, and so that really pushed me to keep going. And so for like September to now I've been doing it like very consistently and I've been enjoying the hell out of it. It's, it's, it's really, uh, it's been more of like a purpose in my life than, than making TikToks. Yeah. It's honestly, I, I relate that so much too. It's like, I feel like the, like, cause I also was like more, like was never like super, super in a stand up until like, so, like somewhat recently because of work from home, I would like sit at home all day alone and then be like, I don't want to continue sitting alone today. Like what else can I do? So that's honestly so relatable. Um, I wonder yeah. if people like that who are like, oh, well, it's like an activity where there are people. So yeah, and then they all like they like to a lot of the like they'll hang out afterwards. My only like thing that I try and not do is like they'll be like after a mic, they're like, all right, let's all go to the bar, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Like because they'll do it every night, and mm -hmm. and no shade on them. Like they're they're still really funny and working hard, but for me, it's like I'm trying to treat it like going to the gym. And, yeah. you know, you don't go to the bar every night after the gym. That would be <laughs> but counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. No, it's honestly, um, like, so relatable, though, too, of, like, like, truly, my schedule is, like, gym, work, stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. And then and then the other thing about it, too, is, like, some comics, I feel like, some, like some of the, the really good ones, too, express, like, this sentiment of, like, like I, I got, like they'll like almost treat stand up like it's like this s sacred art form. It's like you're either all in or you're not, in the sense that like you know, like some of them are like oh you know the best stand ups don't act or or go on to do TV like they just do stand up. And I get that too, but part of me just enjoys. Like I, I saw another comic say something to the extent of like oh like why do you? It doesn't have to be our identity. I just like getting up on a stage, making people laugh, having fun with it. And so that's also how I'm kind of treating it like. I'm still not sure if it's something that I want to do for like 
like in like the rest of my life. I think it is. I think it's something I want to do for the rest of my life. But I'm still trying to figure out my relationship to it. If that if that makes sense. That makes because, a ton of sense. <laughs> and yeah. I think you said something just like a little bit ago that kind of goes off. We don't talk about that a lot on yeah. podcast. And I think it's so interesting because. You even said something when you were talking about like how when you first got into stand up, you would kind of be doing it with friends and the energy was like, ugh, I don't even want to do it, but I'm going to do it because I have like not even a bad have to do it. But I think with a lot of art forms and different art things, it's not even that you're always excited to be doing it, but you're like every something in me is telling me I have to. So what do you think that is for you? Like why? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's like, oh, it's a great question. I think it's like maybe like what I enjoyed about film school, like the, there is like a rush of like, okay, it's your turn to present whatever you prepared. Like, and so like, I, I it's, I do enjoy it. I think the have to is kind of like knowing you have to get over that hump of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta say things in front of people and they're going to laugh or they're going to hate me or they're going to, and it's like embarrassing. And it's like, you know, like half the time it's like, for me at least, it's like talking about some friend that died or it's like, or it's like, Oh, you know, I'm a bit going on dates or I had this weird sexual encounter. And it's like, Oh, it's like things you wouldn't say to anybody. And like, and when those things don't get laughs, it's like, okay, well, I am, uh, I've just made a mockery of myself or something. So I think that's part of it. I think the other, maybe it's like, and, and then, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's mainly it, I think, is like the just pain of having to like say things and expecting a laugh and not getting them. And then you have people like my parents or my friends, especially in the beginning days when they're like, oh, let us come see you. And I'm like, I just started. Like, you're going to, like, that's like, it's like you don't if, if i told you i started playing tennis you wouldn't come watch me practice tennis you know like you like and so there's that it's like it's so it's it's weird it's weird and it's hard to get good because it's like you get three minutes a night and when i was a, when i was just starting out in college you get three minutes you go home you're like yeah like cool, I did it tonight. And it's like, well, I mean, you did three minutes, you know, how many minutes does it take to get good? Probably thousands upon thousands of minutes, you know, and that's like a lot of money to spend on open mics, a lot of watching other people say horrendous things on stage, which, you know, they got to to learn what works and what doesn't, but you still have to sit through it. Uh, so there's like a thousand reasons. And I I don't mean to sound so negative about this thing that we love. It's just it's just it's just the the beginning parts and that, that the thing that made me not do it as much as I should have. So no, and that makes a lot of sense. And also like the doubt like the dark side of stand up and all those things doesn't mean you don't love doing it. It's like because yeah. you, you can analyze it. Right, right. And yeah, that's the other thing is like with the, the tough thing with open mics is like not only do you have to like travel pay blah blah blah. then you gotta like often sit through everybody else's which is fine but it's like like i'll if you go last you sit through the, or if you go up early and then you leave you look like an asshole and so it's really a big chunk of your day and i'm still navigating that part of things too but it, you know it's just a weird 
a weird thing that we work on that it's like it's so different from other art forms i guess and also like like i was thinking about this like if you were to be a musician like if i were to go play piano for everybody i could get off the stage after playing and be like oh i did great because you know everybody was silent and i'm like just assuming i did great but if ever like stand-up's the one thing where you kind of know right away if it was good or not you're like you say the thing and they laugh or they don't and you're like okay like now i know exactly how i did just now and so that yeah. kind of makes it harder because you're like it's such an honest it's such an honest art form that you whether you like it or not you know what they think of you it's definitely i know it's definitely tricky I, there's so many moments too in my life where i'm like sitting there and i'm like what am i even doing here and it's like you know you're like hour two of like watching people you don't know and you're just like what is even going on right now yeah, yeah. expediting yeah. the ex uh the existential crisis <laughs> Yeah, yeah, truly. Or I'll be like, I do I have something better to do? But like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, last night. But then, okay. But then, conversely, last night, like it was a, it was an open mic. Nobody was laughing for all these comics, and they were good. It was just nobody was laughing. And then I went up and I tried three new jokes, and like I got big laughs at this mic that was like I had perceived to be pretty dead beforehand, and it was just like those moments are the greatest feeling. Yeah, especially when it's new stuff like I find when I'm like writing like when I've written something that works after I've done it a few times I like don't enjoy it anymore. But when you say something new that you wrote, like the obituary thing I told you guys about before we started like that got a big laugh and I'm like, there is no there's no feeling like that like you leave and you're like I'm the best I'm awesome. But then, <laughs> But then conversely, too, when you have nights, obviously, when you don't do well, I'm like, I guess I picked the wrong career. Like, I guess I should go back to roofing with my dad. Like, so it, it's a very like the emotional toll it can have on you is uh, profound, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. So to kind of get back on track for our like general podcast trajectory. So our, our podcast, we like to talk about um, like how the pandemic changed the world of comedy um so when so you weren't even doing stand-up before the pandemic what were you doing like comedy content creating wise like during the like when everything was shut down sure so like the january before the pandemic i started making tiktoks um and i started to find traction there and then you know the pandemic hit i think it was like march and then i went back home with my parents and I was just kind of sitting at home and basically I would just make TikToks and that I would find success in like, whether it be like the one around, like right at the start of the pandemic, I wrote a prisoner uh, using like the pen pal website that they have. And I made a TikTok about that. I, I made like three about them, about him. And uh, so, and then I was doing like little sketch videos and stuff like that. And so that's kind of how the pandemic, like it changed me. Like I was just at home with my parents. And so it was like, a, so I would spend each day, I'd wake up, I'd be like, oh, what TikTok do I make? And I'd be like, I'd always look at my bookshelf and I'd be like, ah, oh, is there anything in this bookshelf that's inspiring me to like make something? And so that's kind of what I did comedic wise during the pandemic uh, or the height of it, at least. Um, I did, I actually, I signed into one of the zoom ones just to watch i had a friend that was doing the zoom one and i was like 
uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I want to do this. And so I didn't try that, but that, that, that was my pandemic experience. It wasn't too crazy. I also, I filmed for Mark Norman once and that was kind of cool. He did like an outside show because he did a lot of vlogs during the pandemic. And so like that, I had like a little experience in comedy, but mostly just TikToks, just making videos. Were you making videos like, like online content before TikTok? Yeah, like, like I did one or two, like I did like a, a masterclass spoof where, cause like I saw like a masterclass commercial where like, like it was like, it's always famous, beautiful people like teaching us some skill. And so I made one where it's like a construction worker. And that was the only video I ever made like of my own volition. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing about posting to Instagram, especially at the time was like, if you have five followers, then you can get at most five views. Whereas the cool thing about like TikTok and now Instagram reels is it's like, it shows your content to people. And then if they interact with it, it, it does better and better. It like keeps showing it to more people. So TikTok's really what started me making videos just because it was like rewarding me for once. Yeah. That's interesting. Why, why did you start with, like, why did you start making TikToks? Um, so I was working at um, the, the film producer's office and I was unhappy and I was watching TikTok and Gary Vee, my now boss, was making a lot of videos that was like, you guys need to get on TikTok, blah, blah, blah. And I had posted a, cl like a, a clip of my friend's cartoon on my TikTok like months before. And it got 12,000 views, even though I had zero followers. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. But I never posted again. And then I saw Gary V like, you guys need to get on TikTok. It's on my territory, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, you know what? I got, I quit slash got fired from this job, um, which is a whole thing. Then I was at home with my roommates and I was just waking up every morning, like basically like just fucking around with my phone camera, posting it to TikTok. And then every once in a while, one would get like 100,000 views. And I was like, damn, this guy Gary's right. So I just like went hard at it. And that's that's what made me start and keep going was just that little bit of like, oh, like this works. And and Gary V saying, get on there. So, yeah. How do you think that, so like now the world is reopening like uh things are live again, TikTok's still thriving, but there's just more in the equation. How do you think that the reopening has affected what you do or just like, what are you up to now? Um, interesting. Um, I'm not really sure. Like I also, I have this weird relationship with like TikTok where I don't always post that much because, so now I have a big following on TikTok um, over the course of like many videos that are all really different. I have like 650,000 on there. But the thing was, like I said, in the beginning, I was posting because I had zero followers at first. And I was just like in my room, my roommates are gone. And I'd just be weird, right? I'd be in my room, like shouting at my phone and just trying different things, posting and then deleting. But now that I have a following, I can't really experiment as much. So I'm almost afraid to go on TikTok. So, uh, like now my relationship is, and with the pandemic and stuff, I guess it's like, I guess more thoughtful and I'm more like I'm experimenting with stand up and like, I don't know how that affects like online content. And see, I think people, they're addicted to their phones and so am I. So like that, 
that that will always succeed. But um, and, and I think now, if anything, there's just more content outside and in person. Like there's on the street content. There's tons of clips of people doing stand up that goes viral now. And so I think that's really what uh, has changed now that things are opening up. Gotcha. So what? So you are now doing stand up. Like, how has the stand up scene been for you since things are back and live? Uh, it's good. I mean, I notice in Manhattan, it's it's weird. In Manhattan, it feels like the mic scene, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. The mic scene in Manhattan is a little more loose like i guess covid wise but also like i find that people will say things in manhattan mics that i'm like oh okay i you know i didn't know you could say that whereas in brooklyn it feels a little more like uh precautious maybe not precautious but like people will hold you accountable for things you say a little more in brooklyn i don't know maybe that's just my and this is just me watching people because I've I've only seen horrendous, horrendous things be said in Manhattan. So <laughs> I think that I think that's the difference. Um, and then the other thing too is having like any sort of TikTok cloud or YouTube cloud or whatever has like made going back to open mics weird because in college I was a nobody, but now you know they know that I have a little bit of momentum online, so I feel more welcomed at these things. So that's weird too, but that doesn't have to do with the pandemic. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, everything uh, has to do with the pandemic nowadays. Right. Yeah, the pandemic yeah. got the following, and now here we are. Yeah, yeah. We expected open mics. It's cool. It's a nice little like. It's a good leverage to like. I don't know to like be to have people be nice to me. It is good. I I think it's always good when people are nice. So relatable. That's alarmingly relatable. Yeah. Well, because when I used to do it, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like, oh hi, great set. I'm Sean. Yeah, walk away. Which I get, you know. But now, like, I find more people like, hey, like, oh, and the other thing too, and this is natural, but it's like my identity among these people is like the TikToker, and I think that's part of, like, that's comedy in general, like like when you have any sort of personality trait in comedy, like it seems like it's amplified because, you know, people like to make jokes about it or whatever. But when I am talking to people at the open mic crowd, like it's like inevitably it's always like, yeah, so TikTok or like, oh, what's it like, Mr. TikToker? Like, it's like, I'm like, okay. Whereas like with my friends, I'm never reminded about that. Like I almost forget that I have any, anything you know so yeah there's that too that's interesting yeah it's cool it's like an interesting it's definitely like it's a cool way to like see how people work and stuff you know and i'm not yeah. like not to sound like at all like it's just what i notice you know like i'm not like wielding this in a way where i'm oh yeah i'm a tiktoker i'm just like <laughs> it's just and i'm just noticing things i guess i don't know yeah Back to your um, Manhattan versus Brooklyn mic point too. I think that like part of why you hear so many weird things in Manhattan is just because of like convenience. Like I feel like there's so many people who will come out and just say the most absurd things and be like, this is funny. This is what stand up is. And it's like, they've only seen like 
I don't know, like barely anything and think that they're like not great opinions are like so funny, but it's like, there's so many more people in Manhattan just like, cause it's so much more like tight, like together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's smaller. Um, and like more, I guess, compact. I don't know. Like there's just more people, um, in a small, no, that makes sense. like you get so many people who are like, not truly like comedians who like come out and are like, I'm funny. Huh. This is convenient. And then it's like horrible. Whereas Brooklyn's yeah. track, you know, you have to be like a little bit more dedicated to get there. <laughs> yeah, they're just like giving like political opinions or like almost TED talks where I'm like, oh, like, hmm. like this isn't the place. Like, you know, I mean, like you can, you try whatever you want. I don't care. You try whatever you want, but like, I it's just like those are the. I'm just like ah, like it's weird. I, I don't know. I'm not going to be the one to tell anybody how to do anything. Like it's fun to to experience all sorts of things and what i've noticed too is like as much as you get used to bombing like as your, yourself the cool thing about open mics is you get used to watching somebody bomb like i remember when i first started yeah. seeing somebody bomb you'd be in the audience like ah i'm sorry but now i could watch somebody do awfully and feel nothing you know like i'm just like all right he's trying or they're trying you know yeah so it's so funny. I feel like I, I'm more like aware of people who bomb really badly when they're like, just don't have jokes prepared. And you're like, oh, you just thought you would come tell a story. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'll just like laugh at your, st- and it's like a five minute long story. And I'm like, not following. I'm like, where did the cows come in? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. know what's going on right now. And then they're like, and then this, and you're like, you took five minutes to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of like people learning that, like, I don't know, like stand-up isn't just like, I'm going to say things that happened to me. Like you kind of need to weave jokes in there. Or just also, saying promises. Yeah. There's also such this like community at the open mics where there is the silence and it's so easy to be like, oh my God, all of these people hate me. But then you realize it's actually not that because the thing that almost always gets a laugh at open mics is when somebody works hard and tells a joke that they've clearly been working on and it doesn't get a laugh and then they're like welp guess that's not funny and everyone laughs yeah. you're like oh they're not ignoring me like they're here for me like in the, it's their own weird little way everyone's helping everyone and it is a community but it's just it's a weird and quiet one in a medium where you're literally standing on stage being like, I would like you to laugh, please. And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's like, I always think like when you, you know, if you watch a TED talk, like nobody's laughing through it, but that doesn't mean that we're not like, um, you know, engaged and enthralled by whatever they're saying. And so when you do do stand up, like just because we're not laughing doesn't mean we're sitting there like we hate you, you know, like we're just like, we could be really entertained. We're just not audibly showing you that some of my favorite comics like i'm not even always a big laugh out louder per, but like i there's comics i like that i won't laugh through the video or the clip or whatever but i'll still be like wow that was deep or that made me think or that did this like and so you know not to still you know comedy should be about making somebody laugh i guess that is the purpose maybe <laughs> but still like it could do many things beyond that and that's what's really cool about it yeah for sure um so this is not relevant but you have a lot of musical instruments around you what's the deal oh so in college I uh well I started playing guitar when I was like young but I never practiced or like knew anything about it and then in college I lived with my best friend who's like an amazing guitarist 
And, you know, like in college, the beds are like two feet away. So he would just teach me stuff. And then I had this piano and he like basically like told me about scales. And I was like, oh, now I finally like something clicked. And I would just smoke weed like every day and go to the piano rooms at school. And I'd stay there for like two or three hours and I'd learn a song or I'd practice a song. And now I'm like, you know, pretty good at both. Not, you know, not great, but it's like, uh, it's something I would like to pursue seriously when I'm better. Uh, like I love Donald Glover because like, okay, I love Bo Burnham, right? He's obviously great, but then I love Donald Glover because I don't know how somebody could be so good. Like he makes, he does stand up. He makes awesome television. He acts in things, but then he makes like hit songs, whether it be rap, like R and B, like, and I'm like, I don't know. And so that I like aspire to be, I'm not going to be that, but that's, that's what I want to be like. So so that's is it that. musical comedy or like just other music as a side thing? So that's why I brought up O'Burnham because I think yeah. he was cool because like he combines music and comedy and it's awesome and the music's great, but it's also funny. But that what I think is cool about uh, Donald Glover is like they are completely separate. Like he does both yeah. and he's good at both separate from one another. And that's what I think is really cool about him. Yeah. And Steve Martin has a band. I don't know if you've listened to it. But yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And he's like a band. Yeah, and he's awesome at banjo. Like, yeah. yes. No, yeah. it's really cool. It's fun. It's therapeutic. It's like, it's a good way to like, my friends are over. It's fun to just like, if anything's going on in their lives, I'll turn it into a little song. And like, we, it makes it hilarious for some reason because it's about them. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we know somebody who is in prison that's like, we're friends with. And he calls himself the lizard and he always posts to his story like do you still crawl with the lizard so like we like uh, like sing over guitar like that and like do you still crawl with the <laughs> like for whatever reason it's just like turned into music it's hilarious so there yeah it's it's awesome i recommend yeah. if if you got do you guys play anything i play a lot i play um okay. guitar uh piano banjo and ukulele Whoa. Maybe they don't really count as an instrument because i feel like everyone's ukulele, playing ukulele. yeah i have <laughs> I the ukulele everyone's oh. like i play ukulele and you're like mm. yeah 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 no for sure um yeah i have a righty like so i'm a lefty um, yeah my ukulele is a righty and so i'm learning on that one still not that great but um what was i gonna say you play banjo do you have a banjo yeah. in New York with That's you? That's so cool. I have a banjo like right over here. That's crazy cool. That's awesome. Do your do your uh, do your neighbors hear that? I feel like a banjo is somehow louder than. I don't think it's, it's not really loud. I honestly don't know what extent. My, I mean, I'm like always like, I'm like here working on impressions. I'm talking to myself. I'm like doing so much of my, making so much noise in my apartment all the time. Um, I don't know who I'm like, No, I don't. Oh, that's awesome. That's literally why I don't, I like, I made sure to find an apartment without roommates because I, for the same reason, I want to be weird, you know, like. Yeah, I'm like making noise all day long. Like, yeah, the same yeah. reason the TikTok, I got bad at it once I had followers. It's because I have 600,000 roommates now. And I'm like, guys, I'm trying to figure out how yeah. to be weird and silly. And it's hard. So that's why, yeah, I totally... Yes, yeah that's awesome. absolutely so I, don't, I don't know how much they hear 
I'm, but it's, I don't know, I wanted to get, I wanted to get drums and my dad was like 100% no. Huh. And I wanted to get um, an electric guitar with an amp. And that's another thing my parents were like, you're going to get kicked out of your building. Well, we are coming towards the end of our podcastery. Um, is there any advice you would give people who are pursuing comedy or conversely, what is the best advice you yourself have ever been given? Sure. Um, I didn't get this directly, but uh, I saw Mark Norman on a podcast and he said, uh, bombing isn't failure. It's just data. And that has t- ever since seeing that, it's really helped me. Like now when I say things that don't get a laugh, it's like we were saying before, like they don't hate you or it's not like you're, you're dumb or whatever. Like, it's just, it's just information. It's like, okay, that didn't work. That's all right. Moving on, you know? So don't overthink not getting the laugh. Like you're going to be fine. Don't care what people think about you. The people that you're saying it in front of have seen many people before you bomb. So just be comfortable, like get over it is my, is that. And beyond that, hmm, hmm, I would say, I don't know, write and and I think uh, I, I put in effort. I guess I that that the the first thing I said is it, I wish I thought of it, but I didn't. But it, it's the advice that really helped me a lot. So I was gonna say two. Um, one, like it's a lot easier to bomb when nobody knows an audience. Like that's one that helps. But also like the more I've realized, like when I first started, bombing hurt. And it was like, oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm up here. But the more you do it, the more you're like, oh wow, like this doesn't matter. You get very comfortable in the silence. So there's that. Yeah. Then uh, also actually the one piece of advice I do have that uh, is is for sure genuine here is, uh, and I shield this to all the open mic comics is, is and this is the Gary method as well. Get on TikTok, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels. Like not necessarily, like you don't have to like post like, like if you're a funny person and you're already on stage, like treat TikTok like a stage, like whether you're walking on the street, you could be like, oh, this just happened to me talking to your phone or post clips from open mics on TikTok. You never know, like that shit might go very viral. I had a, I had a show. It was like maybe 15 people in the crowd. I filmed it. I edited together this clip and I put it on YouTube and it got 12 million views and a million likes. And I have all these comments like, wow, I want to see him do stand up, blah, blah, blah. And like, part of me is like, no, you don't. I'm pretty new. And I edited it to make me look better. But, uh, but like my main point was like, I went from an audience of 15 to an audience of 12 million. And so it, when you're ready, I would say try leveraging social media because you know, you not you might spend ten years in the open mic circuit, which is what all these comedians before us have done, or you can leverage yourself something online that you might not have had otherwise. Like Addison Ray, I mean, people were pissed at her, but Addison Ray was like in a movie, and everyone's like, "Oh, she, you know, she." There's all these actors that have been trying. I'm like, "Yeah, well, did you leverage yourself? You know, 50 million followers. That's what we could do for ourselves beyond just getting funny. Is is leveraging ourselves." And that's what's great about the internet and and this content world is like more and more Hollywood and like these producers and ties and suits are, you know, they're, they're losing their power of being like, Oh, I could bring you up with me. Or I, you know, they don't get to cherry pick any. Now it's like reversing itself where it's like, I can make everybody like me by making my own stuff. And now I'm the one 
opening the doors, you know? And yeah. so that's what I recommend totally. for everybody. All right. We are, we are at the end of our podcast, but before we sign off, is there anywhere you would, anything you'd like to promote? Where can our listeners find more of you? Um, I would just, uh, follow me on Instagram because, uh, I like my Instagram. I like that. I like, that seems fun. Uh, it's Sean Millay, S-E-A-N-M-I-L-L-E-A. And, um, and that's it. Great. Amazing. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.